Living in the moment is something I am very bad at. My mind is a hideous jumble of baggage from the past and nameless anxieties about the future. I struggle to hold the here and now. Maybe I do better with living in the movement. That's the motto of Australian Royal Academy of Dance teacher Mitchell Rayner. Enjoying and fully inhabiting your movement, that's a fantastic goal for a student, a professional dancer, or just an anxious podcaster. I'm David Jays, and I'm meeting Mitchell for Why Dance Matters, the Royal Academy of Dance podcast. Mitchell came to dance training relatively late. 13 is late, if you're wondering, but progressed quickly ending up in the Australian Ballet. I realise I saw one of his farewell performances when the company visited London in 2016. Mitchell went on to retrain with the RAD as a dance teacher and he now takes his philosophy of living in the movement through his practice and even onto a range of clothing that he's designed. I'm eager to hear more about Mitchell's journey especially as a dancing boy, which isn't always an easy path. Enough talking about the future. We're in the present. It's time to meet Mitch and live in the movement. Mitchell Rayner. Mitch, thank you so much for joining us on Why Dance Matters. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Now, you are all about living in the moment. Where did that come from because obviously you were a dancer before you were a teacher and I guess it is an essential stage skill to be really present in the moment during a performance. Yeah absolutely and I mean it's all about just bringing your whole self into the movement and getting lost in it and enjoying the moment so you know when you when you go to a dance class you tend to forget everything that's going on outside of the studio and it's you know a form of escapism and joy and and we do it because we love it and so I feel like that's what I really want to focus on about that time in the studio and celebrating how dance makes us feel our shared passion as a community of dancers and teachers leaving those stresses and those things that you're kind of hung up on outside of the studio just kind of to deal with later but in that moment being fully present and and enjoying what you're doing whether it be you know a class or a performance just getting lost in it and and bringing your whole self into it despite having said we're all about living in this (laughs) in this present moment I'm going to drag you back because I want to talk about your dance journey it's quite an interesting one because you came to formal training relatively late I think around 13 yes this is true (laughs) what took you so long (laughs) I was about 10 or 11 years old and I just clearly remember being obsessed with watching music videos on tv this was obviously way before youtube where you actually had to watch the tv to (laughs) see your favorite artist in the music (laughs) video typical backstreet boys Britney Spears NSYNC and I just remember trying to emulate all of the choreography in the music videos and 
I would be like dancing around the living room, putting on concerts for my mom and my grandma, which is so oh, embarrassing. Wow. Um, no, but, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Um, so I was like obviously very active, loved to just perform. And so my parents obviously picked up on this very quickly and they sent me to a performing arts school. So it was a school that offered dance music or drama for ages kindergarten to year 12. So I went there and I loved it because I was around like-minded individual, artistic, creative people. I was about maybe six months in and I sort of realized that everyone in my dance classes, they were a lot stronger than me in terms of technique and picking up choreography and their confidence. And so I remember asking my teacher after class one day, I said to her, you know, how come everyone's so much better than me in class? And, you know, how do I get up to that level? And she said, well, you know, they all do extra classes outside of school. You know, they go to dance studios and maybe do a couple of hours after school, a few days a week. And I said, well, you know, I should do that then, you know, because I loved doing you know, hip hop and contemporary and jazz and musical theater. And then she said, <laughs> I'll never forget it. She said, oh, and you should definitely do ballet. And I'm thinking in my mind, what? This is, this is the year 2000, right? There was, you know, a stigma attached to ballet for boys and it was like sure. not typically the cool thing to do. But interestingly enough, actually, Billy Elliot came out that same year. So everything yes. kind of changed, changed after that. Um, but in that moment, I was very apprehensive. Yeah, nonetheless, mum sort of dragged me into the local ballet school and much to my dismay. And, uh, you know, you can just imagine that there are lots of little girls running around. I'm the only boy, a complete, you know, fish out of water. So and, it was um, the Billy Elliot experience. You really had. <laughs> the full. I got introduced to the owner of the studio and she is a really lovely lady. Her name was Robin Turner. She's very charming and very warm, welcoming. And she introduced me to another teacher there. And I didn't know this at the time, but she was kind of a really big deal. Her name was Tessa Maunda and she was responsible for many famous Australian dancers' careers. I think she was actually one of the first teachers in Australia to start teaching RED syllabus because uh, when I met her, she was in her 70s. So she had been teaching for a really long time. So obviously I did, didn't realise any of this at the time. My mum's freaking out because she knew exactly who she was. So anyway, cut to me. I think it was the next day or two. I was standing at the bar. They put me into, they thought grade five would be a good introduction. <laughs> grade five RAD. I'm standing at the bar in my tights and leotard, just so nervous. And then, I don't know, something happened. In between plies and like the end of class, at some point, it all changed for me. I just completely fell in love with ballet. Uh, it's hard to exactly sort of pinpoint what exact thing it was, but I think it was just a culmination of, the movement and the music and it was super challenging and you know every step had a name and I thought that was just so organized and I just <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and then I, I think I remember asking mom to buy me a classical ballet terminology book and I remember reading that cover to cover learning how to spell everything and geeking out straight away I think I made my mom buy me the grade five cassette tape of the syllabus music so I could get extra practicing at home. That's how far gone I was. A couple of years passed and my teachers, they encouraged me to audition for the Australian Ballet School, which is in Melbourne. And it's kind of like a, the feeder school to the Australian Ballet Company. I auditioned a couple of times. The first time I was not successful. I knew on some level that I wasn't quite ready. And so I just worked harder and became stronger and more determined. And I auditioned the following year and I was um, accepted. 
which was so exciting. And so, yeah, I moved away from home and spent three years at the Australian Ballet School. You made that decision pretty quickly that ballet wasn't just the dance form that you liked, but also this is what you wanted to do with your life. Yeah, and I think I credit that to my teachers because they were so nurturing and their guidance was so clear and strong and they gave me, you know, this is a goal you should work towards. I All I knew at that time was that I loved ballet. I loved the way it made me feel. Of course, I, I still did other dance styles, but ballet made me the most happy. They offered me this goal to work towards and so I was very determined to get there. So when I joined the school, it was actually really great because I was in a class with other boys, which yeah. I was not used to. I mean, I a couple of boys had come and gone to the studio initially when I first started, but I didn't really have any male classmates until this point. And it was great because we, we could focus on male-specific steps and start learning pas de deux. You know, there was a sense of camaraderie and, and healthy competition, which I think really drove me. After three years, I had an interview with the artistic director of the Australian Ballet at the time, David McAllister, and he said, like, I'd like to offer you a contract with the, the ballet company. And there were only a few that were given out that year. So they were very precious. Right. And, and just in that moment, I uh, felt like I'd won the lottery <laughs> because mm-hmm. everything I'd been working towards came to fruition. But my initial training and then those three really grueling years at the school, Australian Ballet School, had really paid off. And I remember thinking in that moment, like I was really thankful for the support of my parents because they did everything they could to encourage me to keep going. And they were at every show and they really supported me. Oh, really? Me, so. Oh, that's yeah. lovely. Wow. I couldn't wait to tell them actually afterwards. <laughs> so I joined the company and it was, yeah, obviously very overwhelming because especially in that first year, because you're, you know, that small fish in a huge pond and yeah. you're on stage with some of your idols I just remember like the first season that we did, uh, we were doing Graham Murphy's Swan Lake and, you know, I was just on the side of the stage holding a tray of drinks as a waiter, like for <laughs> the whole of Act One, probably 40 minutes. And I just, even though I wasn't really dancing that much, I was just lapping up every moment because I was watching these principal dancers who I had seen years before doing these roles, you know, at the Opera House in Sydney. And then I'm standing on the stage, same stage with them, as a part of the company with them, it just was so surreal. That was not lost on me at all. I made some really great friends, worked with some really wonderful choreographers and did so many great ballets and wonderful overseas trips and you know lots of performances around Australia as well. One of the things I read that you said a while ago was someone asked you what would change your perspective on dancing and you said it would be really wonderful if just for a day the roles in the a pas de deux could be reversed so the ballerina would know what it was like for the <laughs> guy and the guy would know what's what it was like for the ballerina just, and i love that idea just tell me a bit more about that because partnering is just at the the core of so much of what a classical ballet company does yeah no absolutely and um Sometimes as a male and you're partnering female, you don't fully understand what they're feeling as well. The feeling of not quite being on your leg or your axis or the way it feels to be picked up or lifted or caught from a jump. I think it's really good to sort of understand what that may feel like. I 
think it's so beneficial when you have a male and female teacher that can both teach Pardido together because it's it's good to get both perspectives. You know, if you're teaching Pardido and there's no boys to work with, then, you know, I, I myself have had to partner and teach at the same time and it's really tricky. So I think it's good for both male and female roles to understand what the other is doing. And a big part of, you know, Pardido is of course, communication with each other. So it'd be good to swap for a day, yeah, in part of yeah, their class. I'd love to, <laughs> Safely, I'd, of course. Of course. And, you know, I'd like to see some of those performances as well <laughs> on stage. <laughs> I did see you. You mentioned the the foreign tours you did with Australian Ballet. And I did see, which I I now realise were one of your last performances with the company when they came over to London with Swan Lake and Alexei Rokmansky's Cinderella. Beautiful production. And that was, what, eight, nine years into your career with the company? How did you make that decision to leave then? It was... mm. Not an easy decision. And it was something that I was kind of thinking about for about a year. It's obviously a big choice that you make. And I was kind of at a point where I was getting a little bit over touring so much and doing over 200 shows a year. And my body was not feeling 100% anymore. It was kind of getting harder to bounce back from little injuries and had little aches and pains that I really didn't have before. And so it wasn't just one particular thing. It was just my body and my mind telling me, okay, it's time now. Nine years with the company, that was a good amount of time. And I feel like I got so much out of it. Everything that I kind of wanted to get out of it, you know, experience of different ballets, different choreographers, meeting people, going places. And people always talk about a big ballet company being like a family. So deciding to retire, is that like deciding to leave home? I mean, there is a sense of having to forge a new life for yourself when you've had such a big support system and so much organisation of your life kind of happening for you. That was really difficult. And actually, that's probably the thing I miss the most is like the people and, and seeing my friends every day and I mean you spend an unhealthy amount of time with each other so (laughs) to go from that to you know initially moving back here with my mum and dad (laughs) it was quite a shift but yeah it's like a big family and you know you're there for each other you're traveling with each other you're always in each other's lives and then everything's very structured and you're on a timetable and so you kind of step outside of that bubble you you leave your friends you leave a timetable it's a bit overwhelming, but at the same time, it's very liberating in a sense because it's, you know, onto the next chapter and yeah. I can decide what's next for me and I don't sort of have to be on a timetable. Yes. <laughs> no, <day>. suddenly <laughs> you can be an adult responsible for your own life. Yes. You <laughs> That's <laughs> it. And not all good dancers are necessarily good teachers. It's not automatic. What drew you to teaching? Partway through my career, I sort of thought teaching would be something that I'd love to try. Obviously, I had some great teachers that gave me some wonderful advice and were very nurturing and very strong women present in my life. So I wanted to sort sort of give back in a way. And when I was making that decision to leave, I thought, okay, well, what 
you know, teaching seems like a natural transition from dancing. So I thought I'll give this a go. And if I'm not good at it, then I won't do it. And if I don't enjoy it, then I won't do it. I did start teaching uh, initially, you know, once or twice a week, just a, a couple of classes. And I actually remember the first class that I taught, it was an open class and I was planning it for about a week. I was so paranoid that I would be hopeless <laughs> and forget what I was talking about. But no, it was really good. And I, I fell in love with teaching straight away. You know, I've been teaching for seven years now. I sort of worked with lots of different ages and ranges of abilities and I have, feel like I've learned so much and kind of after maybe a couple years of teaching, I thought, okay, I know this is what I want to do. I know I enjoy teaching, but I want to keep learning. I want to keep refining my craft. And <laughs> the RAD was actually offering the professional dancers postgraduate teaching certificate for the first time ever in Australia. So I thought, oh, this is really great timing. I did that course and that was great because I got to work with some really wonderful tutors, be around some like really great teachers that really inspired me to think about my teaching in a different way. And I developed new tools and a skill set to work with a diverse range of learners, things that I hadn't really thought about too hard or too deeply before. I, I sort of came out of that course, a different teacher. Um, so I'm really oh, glad really? that I did that. <laughs> wow oh that's interesting and how has that shaped your teaching since I feel like I've become a lot more understanding to the individual needs of every student I like to sort of describe my teaching style as student-centered not one size fits all so every student is different and I, I work with young kids right up until adults so <laughs> a huge range and like they all have different needs at the end of the day so yes that's challenging but I feel like it really pushes me as a teacher and it's quite enjoyable yeah I became a lot more sensitive to the needs of of each person obviously tricky when you've got a big class definitely I, I do my best to cater you know to each individual and kind of help them out in the areas where they need help and help them to reach their goals and to keep working towards what they want to get out of their you know, development. Yeah. And have you had any students who, like young Mitch, were a bit unsure about whether they even wanted to be there for their first classes and have come to love it? Yes, I actually have taught a few younger boys a few years back and they were quite shy reserves because they would often be you know one boy in a class of maybe 15 to 20 other girls so that lack of confidence maybe was there so I, I made sure that I made them feel comfortable and seen and heard and you know talk to them after class and sort of tell them a bit about my story and just encourage them to keep going if they enjoy it because at the end of the day like if you enjoy it you should of course do it life's too short otherwise you know there might be setbacks or there might be you know bullying or unfortunate things like that that happen but um if you love it you should keep you going and a consequence i guess of there being fewer boys who study ballet is of course that there are fewer male ballet teachers and I guess even within the the big family that is the RAD you are part of a 
uh, a smaller and select group <laughs> of yeah. male teachers. How important is it, do you think, that there is that kind of community of men teaching ballet? I think it's really important to have that community. These boys, they need to, you know, look up to role models and, and feel, you know, part of a community and connected. And I think having things like boys' workshops and things like that just to help encourage more boys to kind of try ballet but also stick with it. And they might want to be teachers one day if they feel like they wouldn't give back. A lot of boys here in Sydney during COVID, they stopped doing ballet because of the lockdowns, sure. you couldn't do dance classes in a physical space, but you could do sport outside. So a lot of boys stopped doing ballet and, and took up sports, which was a little bit unfortunate. <laughs> right. Have they yeah. come back to ballet since? No. <laughs> right. Oh, no, that's interesting. Unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so do you think there's a bit, a little bit of a lost generation there? I think to some degree, yeah. Those, those couple of years were pretty rough. I mean, they were hard enough being a teacher but you know as a student I can't imagine you must see as well not just boys but your students more generally over the course of your teaching you must see them change and grow as people because especially we're talking about young students those are big years in someone's life and a ballet teacher is a bit of a constant presence seeing them develop absolutely and it's really rewarding as well to see that growth I've been working with a a group of students for about three years now, the same class, and it's been really great to see their development over the past few years, even before and after COVID. They they were really determined to kind of get through the lockdown and do their exams, and it's been great to have that kind of rapport with them because, I mean, as a freelance teacher, I have worked at a lot of different places, and if you're working at a lot of like at too many places, maybe you don't have that connection with students and you don't get to see that growth over time. But I've tried to cut it down over the years to, to just right. a few places. And then you have that bond and that connection with the students. That's really important for them as well. It's less transactional. The RAD, Royal Academy of Dance, has been a thread through your life, as we've discussed, or through your dancing career. What what does it mean to you to be a member of the RAD? It was very special. I I think that the RAD is a wonderful organisation that celebrates inclusion and diversity and striving to be the best that you can be as an individual. And I yeah, I remember doing my RAD exams. A long time ago now and and coming back as a, a teacher now and even doing like teaching classes at the RED headquarters in Sydney is kind of like a full circle moment for me. It's really special and it's really nice to be able to teach kids the RED syllabus now, students and even some adults are really getting into the RED syllabus work and they want to do their exams. So it's really nice to share that and to, to pass on the lessons that I learned from my teachers, learning the old RED syllabus, learning the new syllabus. Yeah, it's really special. And I, I do appreciate that they, they value diversity, inclusion, and just making everyone feel seen. Yeah. And it's clearly been quite a journey. And you've learned a lot. You've taught a lot. What have you learned about yourself, do you think, through a life in dance? One thing that comes to mind straight away is the fact that 
I am will always be hungry to learn more. I think that that's kind of the wonderful thing about being a dancer and then a teacher. You never stop learning and you never stop refining your craft. I feel like I've really learned that. And also being a teacher now, I feel a lot more confident within myself. When I was a dancer, I could never speak in front of a group of people. I was pretty shy, like unless it was a small group of friends, I, I wouldn't like to really talk in front of a large group of people. But over the past few years, teaching with lots of different learners and big classes, I've kind of had to force myself to come out of my shell more and to be assertive and be in charge of the room and the space and kind of hold my own. And so I feel like I've developed so much confidence, which makes me really happy and really positive thing that's come out of teaching. It makes me feel really good about what I do now wow. and just generally in life. I guess as a dancer and as a student as well, a lot of the time you're being talked at, aren't you? You're not expected yes. necessarily to have a voice. So I guess it is quite a big jump to have to take. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, what I like to do with my teaching, especially with younger students, I like to ask them a lot of questions during class rather than always sort of giving them the answer. I like to ask them, you know, why do you think that happened? Or why do you think maybe that pirouette didn't work? Or what should we try and think about next time when we do this exercise? So they have more of a voice and feel seen and heard. You get those shy kids that sort of, you know, they go a little bit inward. But I feel like over time, some of the shyer kids have sort of come out of their shell a bit more and, and not been so afraid to contribute to discussion because right. I feel like that's important rather than sort of always telling them the answer or talking to them. I like to kind of get them involved and, and be a bit more collaborative. One of your latest projects, Mitch, is the Living in the Movement clothing line, which has obviously grown out of your teaching practice. Tell me about that. How did that develop? Yeah, so um, this is something I developed during COVID lockdowns because everyone, you know, we had so much time to work on other things. I've been developing that and we launched about a year ago. And so it's just been slowly trying to grow the brand and it's a manifestation of my teaching philosophy about, you know, living the movement. So it's a play on words, live in the moment. It's just all about celebrating the joy of movement and freedom and just bringing your whole self into the movement and, and celebrating your individuality and uniqueness and connecting your mind with your body and just getting lost in the movement. And have you got a sense, you're still relatively early in your teaching career, there are many potential years to go, have you got a sense of how you'd like this journey to carry on taking you? Well, I still obviously really love teaching. So I, I would love to keep teaching and perhaps work with students internationally over time and keep working with you know, different age ranges in, in Australia try and grow my brand a little bit more here in Australia and New Zealand and then hopefully overseas as well. Mitchell, it's been lovely to share this dance journey with you. We've reached the final moment. So finally, Mitchell, 
Why does dance matter for you? Dance matters to me because I believe it's the ultimate form of self-expression. It allows you to bring your whole unique individual self to each and every movement. And to me, that's absolute freedom. It's really heartening to speak to Mitchell. He's a very positive presence. And surprising to hear that he didn't feel confident about speaking up when younger, because he's so assured and engaging now. Do tell us about your own inspirational teachers. You'll find the RAD wherever you get your social media, and all the details are in our show notes. And there are links there to Mitchell's work too. And we'd love it if you could subscribe and like and review even the podcast so that we can find other people who might enjoy Why Dance Matters. Our guest today was Mitchell Rayner. Why Dance Matters is made by the RAD team of Neve Carey Furness, Keisha Dodd and Katie Hagen. Our artwork is by Bex Glendinning and our producer, Sarah Miles, doesn't just live in the moment, she records the moment. It's a real gift. I'm David Jays. Take care. See you soon.